John 1, 12 and 13. This is God's holy and infallible word. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. That's God's word for us this morning. I don't think it's a coincidence. You see the title of the sermon, What Does It Mean to Be Born Again? I don't think it's a coincidence that on Sanctity of Life Sunday, our topic is being born again. And I've got to tell you about something that happened 12 and a half years ago. Twelve and a half years ago, I was leading worship part-time at a church, Heart Awake Ministries in Holland, Michigan, while finishing my studies at Calvin Seminary. On one Sunday morning at about 5, 5.30 a.m., Sarah said to me, I think it's time. I called the bass player for that morning, it was Rich Skippers, to say I wouldn't be there to lead the music that Sunday. We got in the car, we drove to the hospital, and at about 12.30 p.m., Olivia Grace Schuringa was born. She was beet red, all wrinkled and crying. I think she would have much preferred to be back in her mother's warm tummy than out in the cold world. And then there was the big surprise, dark, dark hair, at least dark for two people of northern European descent, dark hair and a full head of hair, totally unlike anybody in my side of the family. We always had blonde, thin hair at birth. My family looked at Olivia and looked at Sarah and she said, whose child is this? They didn't really do that, but it did take my family, and it took me actually a few days to get over the shock of seeing that. Now, all of our girls were born here, so you knew them and saw them as little babies. I think you need to see a photo or two. I hope it shows up well just to appreciate this. Um, Let's see. So you see, that's my sister Rebecca. You can, I think you can see at the back of her head. Now the next one. Ignore the guy in the goofy shirt and, and look at the mohawk on the baby. The nurses brought her back to us once that, with the mohawk because you guys remember that? Or you two do, but... Um, and then, yeah, you, I think you, you can see it. Now, this is just one story, and the fact is I could tell a wonderful story about Hannah's birth and Sophia's and Adriana's. And you could do that too, not about them, but about your own kids. The birth of a child is so precious. Now, we're talking about rebirth, being born again this morning, and it's a little harder to wrap our heads around this idea. But if we can think of the birth of a baby, we can start to get a glimpse, an inkling of how wonderful this doctrine is. And I I believe that's part of the reason God uses the language of birth to talk about our salvation. And it's because it's such a precious thing. Like the birth of our children is precious to us, people's rebirth is precious to our Father in heaven. And it is to us as God's people, and we see it too. And what we're going to do is hold up this precious, precious reality and explore it a little bit this morning. And 
First of all, we find that being born again is the very first stage of salvation. Birth is the very first stage of life, and being born again is the very first stage of salvation. Now, we all know that our birth actually goes back to that before the baby comes out. We know the birth goes back to a gleam in our father's eye. Life starts at conception, yes. And in a similar way, our rebirth, being born again, goes back further. It goes into God's eternal and mysterious plan. But rebirth is the very first stage. Sometimes we call it regeneration. It's the very first stage of salvation in time, in our lives that we experience. There are all sorts of dimensions and aspects to salvation that the Bible talks about. We're talking about rebirth. The very last is glorification. We call it glorification. When we enter into eternity, when the last specks of sin are going to be washed away completely, we'll enjoy God and worship him forever together with all God's people. And In between that, in our lives now, we can talk about great stuff like justification, forgiveness, adoption, mortification, perseverance, sanctification. But being born again is the very first stage of actual salvation. Sometimes, this is a a term that's used a lot out there. Sometimes out there in the evangelical world, um, people will use born again in a broader sense. Um, They use it in in such a way as to talk about almost like all of salvation and the Christian life. But John is talking about the very first stage. It's more narrow here. And that leads us to a second point that flows from this first one. Being born again is secondly the exclusive work of God. There's a more theological discussion that we could have about immediate versus immediate regeneration. Regeneration, another way of talking about rebirth. We hold to immediate regeneration, not immediate. And that means that God's Spirit works in people's hearts prior to anything else happening. God prepares hearts to receive his word, his gospel, and that then triggers our faith. So in this very first stage, it's not about us and our decision yet. No, God works directly by his spirit into people's hearts, into your heart and mine. And that's where verse 13 comes in, where John says, it's not of this, it's not of that. We're children born of God born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will. There's a lot we could say about all that, but the main point is this. There's not anything that people can do, or do do, or do bring to the table. Rebirth is totally of God. No one would come to believe unless God gave them the right to become children of God, as we read in John here. Ephesians 2 says, salvation is by grace through faith, the gift of God that no one may boast. And so, 
in these verses, behind them are actually the great truths of election and sovereign grace. They're at the foundation of what John's talking about. And, and that's why he says at the end of verse 13, born of God. What that means is salvation, receiving and believing, is impossible for any sinner on his or her own. God has to grant the power supernaturally. And if you think about it, that is why the Bible uses the language of rebirth to talk about our salvation in the first place. The Bible could have talked about our commitment. The Bible could have talked about intellectual understanding. But we've got this language of rebirth because we're being told that the initiative is totally with the Father. What do we have to do with our birth? Well, how about I ask the baby of the hour, Olivia? What did you have to do with your birth? Not much, did you? In fact, nothing. Did anyone out there say, decide ahead of time, I'd like to be born to so-and-so because they seem like such a nice couple and they got a couple nice kids anyway. I'd like to be a boy I'd like to be, get, get to such and such height. I'd like to have a little wavy hair. I'd like to have this eye color. Of course not. We had nothing to do with it. Your father and your mother produced you, and you only realize what happened later. So God uses this image, being born again, to show that he alone is responsible for your salvation. And that you believe because he first created the life within you to do it. Now some people don't like that. Because it detracts from man's efforts. But that is exactly the point. The idea of rebirth, being born again, takes everything away from people and gives it to God. Don't take this wrong. It doesn't mean there's nothing we do in the Christian life. We are called to respond to God's grace. We're called to say yes to Jesus. We're called to receive, verse 12, and believe, of course. But we're talking about being born again now, remember? The very first stage of salvation. We're not talking about everything else. Rebirth. And it is of God. And it's a reason in your life to give Him all the thanks and praise. It's the reason we lift Him up in our worship together. It's the reason when we fold our hands or kneel to pray, we don't thank ourselves for how savvy we were to figure out this whole salvation thing. We don't thank God for the decision we made for Him but we thank him for his decision that he made for us. Friends, this, these matters that John is bringing up right near the beginning of his gospel, they are at the very heart and the foundation of our faith and of our salvation and of our living as God's people. So important, so beautiful, so precious. Another piece of being born again that we find in these verses, it's the granting of the rights of sonship. 
What does it mean to be born again? Being born again is the granting of the rights of sonship. What does that mean? It has to do with verse 12 and daughtership. Sonship and daughtership. Verse 12, he gave the right to become children of God. We are given the status of being a child of God. In sin, on our own, we push God away. Then we act like we don't want to have anything to do with God or his family. But yet, because of what God has done in Jesus' death and his resurrection, we are treated as sons and daughters. We are declared righteous, and we're given all of the rights that go along with that. And we are called, in a sense, to claim those rights. Take them. And that should give us boldness in our living and in our faith. We're told that once, on one of his military campaigns, the emperor Napoleon briefly let go of his horse's reins to study some papers related to the upcoming battle. When he did that, the horse all of a sudden reared up, almost unseated him. A corporal of the Grenadiers, that was a very lowly soldier, his corporal leaped forward. He caught the bridle of the emperor's horse so that within a few seconds the animal was brought totally under control. Well, Napoleon turned to this corporal and he said, Thank you, Captain. Of what company, sire? asked the soldier who was just called a captain. Of my guards, answered Napoleon. In an instant, this young man threw aside his musket. He walked across the field toward the headquarters of the general staff. He tore off his corporal's stripes as he went, threw them on the ground, and he took his place among the emperor's officers. Someone asked him what in the world he was doing, and he replied, well, I'm a captain of the guards. By whose authority, they asked. By the authority of the emperor, the young man answered. It was from the emperor, the very highest authority, and the corporal seized that and went straight to the officer's tent. Being born again, our rebirth, it depends on, it happens through the highest authority there is, authority of Jesus and God the Father. And we can be as bold in seizing our rank like that soldier of Napoleon. Will we sort of step back and say, Jesus has called me God's child, but not take up the privileges and the responsibilities of that position? Or are you going to step forward to enjoy the privileges of being his own dear child? Will we believe and receive the promise this is what Katie has done, hasn't she, this morning? Praise God for it. And I've invited our students to start a pastor's profession of faith class in a couple of weeks if they have sensed God working in their hearts and feel that they are ready to respond. Seventh graders on up, I hope you're prayerfully considering this.
You might want to talk about it with your parents and parents with your kids. God calls us all to respond in faith to God's work in our hearts and not be afraid to take all those promises for ourselves because they're yours as children of God. Just like the daughter of a billionaire knows she is without a doubt set for life simply by virtue of being her father's daughter, you and I are set for eternal life and for life abundantly now. And that makes all the difference for our outlook, our attitude, our focus, our happiness, our life decisions. Live as a child of God. I have a, a concluding thought and a question, and it's an important one. How do you know if you are born again? This is important because this is what it's all about, right? This is what it comes down to. And there are a number of reasons I bring this up. I, for one reason is because people question if they are really saved, especially as they get older which might come as a surprise to you if you're not, not older. You'd think what would, that wouldn't happen from people who've been born and raised in the church, but it can and it does. And the fact is each one of us can wonder sometimes, am I saved? On the other end of the spectrum, you have people who presume that they are born again and they are not. And you might ask, is it possible to sit in the pew your whole life long and not be born again? Yes, it is possible because the Bible says it. The Bible talks about those who don't truly believe being in the church. So this is a question that we should ask ourselves. Each one of us, am I born again? As a way of asking that and answering it, I I would ask you simply, do you believe? Do you believe? And you would maybe answer, well, yes, I do, but sometimes I struggle. Sometimes it feels like my faith in Jesus and in God's word is very weak. But the fact is that if you believe, there is no way you are not saved. You can be assured then that you belong to Jesus. Belief at all, even very weak belief, means you are born again and that God is working in your heart. John Calvin says that even a weak faith is nevertheless a true faith. The fact that you wonder or worry about this question of your faith or wrestle with it sometimes is itself a sign of faith in the Lord, I'd say, and an assurance that you're a child of God. Someone else, something else that we may worry about or think about, you might say, of this being born again, but I've never had a Damascus Road experience where sort of the heavens have opened and threw me to the ground and God spoke to me. And, and I say this because you'll hear that out there. Some people will insist you are not born again unless you know the day and the hour. But I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I think you very well may but you may have had a more gradual path, especially if you grew up in a Christian home. God draws his people to himself in many, many ways. 
And a child of God will be able to trace some of those ways out, even if it wasn't at one point a blinding light from heaven. Also, sometimes, especially in hard times, we can wonder and wrestle. Sometimes, God's people go through what our forefathers called the dark night of the soul. And in those times, we can really wonder. In those times, sometimes we can feel like our faith is just gone. But then, if you have that situation, if you've ever been in that situation, you need to think, did I once believe? Did I once believe, even if I don't feel it now? Even if you can't feel it today, go back to a time when your faith was stronger and real to you. And then remember what the Bible says. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And then, even though times might be hard at the moment, then you can say, okay, I'm okay. I am a child of God. He's got me and he is going to see me through to the end. And we put our trust and our hope in his decision, not ours. Because his decision is sure and firm and unchanging. Even when our feelings can sometimes change and we have these ups and downs because we're human. And then... Then you take one faithful step forward at a time. Go to God's word. Spend time with other people who build you up in the faith. Be active among God's people, the church. Put yourself in situations that will build up your faith. And you know what those are. Exercise those rights of sonship and daughtership and trust that as you do, God will draw you closer to himself. Being born again, what a precious reality. May you cherish it. May you nurture that rebirth. May you praise God for it. May we see evidence of that rebirth all around us as the people of God. And may we share this Life, this new life with people who really need to know it and have it for themselves. Amen.